Welcome to Finding Prince Charming. While you're stuck at home, stay with us. There he is. <laughs> Real life James Bond. <laughs> you're listening to Dave and Dave. It is real. Are you falling in love? My heart is definitely falling in love with several of the guys. It's the Sports Handball Radio Cast. On Tuned In Radio, iTunes, WPH Live TV, and Patreon. Episode 25 of the Dave and Dave Handball Sports Radio Cast here on iTunes, TuneIn Radio, WPHLive.tv. My name is Dave Vincent with Dave Fink. We are social distancing, which is, Dave, a little bit more than we normally do, which is... This is about the norm for us. It is, right? Yeah. Dave's in his own office. I'm in my office. We had to run wires, cords around the corner. It is kind of crazy not seeing your, your face while we're doing this radio show. First time we've ever done that. And let me just say, has anything happened since the last time we talked? Uh, no. We're shut down completely. Lockdown, quarantine. We well, missed. Well, we did have the virtual NYAC yeah, LTE. That was fun. That was a good event. That's the last time I saw you. I, I haven't virtually... received any confirmations whether that win for Killian Carroll counts on his total. Well, it does. I guess the committee. It does. Oh, they've decided. Yeah, they've also decided that. Uh, and I'm, I'm really surprised that you haven't seen it yet. Yeah, no. That pink slip that's in <laughs> right below. It should be right below where your hands are at. I, I don't know what you're doing, where you're at, but I know you're in your room. Somewhere. Is that just for the tour, or is that a double? It's a double pink slip. Wow. It means that the rankings have been null. Uh huh. And you're fired. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I do it different than Trump does. I, yeah. I do it really quick. Okay. Just try to get it over with. Yeah. Today we have a recap of season number nine. Now I'm not saying the season's over yet. It started. In, yeah, yeah, no. It started in 2019. It right. ended <laughs> abruptly with that <laughs> elevator ride. But also the pandemic, and we had to put a halt on the season. Now it could possibly continue on depending on what the climate is like and how safe people will be if they travel. I mean, what is going to change in two months? I don't That's think kind of my question. Well, I mean, it, I hear all these sports talking about. Now we're, you know, playing on Wimbledon or, you know, we're going to get the NBA going. No, How? no, that's not going to work. going to happen? No, I'm not saying that two months, but it could be at the end of the year. I mean, we could close out the season at the end of this year and then start oh, okay. the next season in the next year. Okay, so a calendar year. Yeah, it could. Okay. Let's say October, Atlanta. We right. might have the Players' Championship there. Okay. Now, okay. Salt Lake City canceled yesterday. Right. Okay, so they're not on the docket anymore they're not the players championship but they could possibly say hey you know we want to do something in september we want to do something in november you know maybe we do it maybe yeah. we're going to talk about that season nine recap as we try to deal with this whole mess that's going on around the universe right now we also have birthdays and a quick quiz toward the end i hope you're ready <laughs> i i'm not i yeah, i am i'm totally ready i know that you don't settle for anything less than 100%. And I know what happens if you get anything less than 100%. So it would be sad to see you running in front of incoming traffic. Luckily for us, though, there's not much traffic out there. No, that's that, that part's fairly good. I'm okay with that. Okay. New York has the most coronavirus outbreaks in the country. Meanwhile, STDs are running rampant in Southern California. Did you read the headline recently about that? No. Okay. You need to get to a paper, son. No, it's to the or point. Maybe unblock you on Twitter. That that would be good. I might learn a lot more. You know, it's getting to the point where I don't want to interact with anyone anywhere at any time. So how is this pandemic <laughs> any different for you? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so there's no change. Right. No change in my lifestyle. This has actually worked out perfect for me. 
Seattle, New York, Los Angeles, Boston, the cities in the United States that have been hit the most mm -hmm. with the coronavirus cases. People in LA though, they're not really that worried. They're sort of like it is here in Arizona where they're just pretty laid back. You know, but it is kind of hard to get worried because you're protected from that thin layer of Botox. <laughs> That'll keep you from getting any virus. <laughs> the U.S. national soccer team was supposed to be in Mexico this week trying to qualify for the summer games in Tokyo. So that was not a friendly then? Nope. But they got postponed due to the coronavirus. Okay. Needless to say, Americans were shocked that the U.S. actually had a men's soccer team that was going to go to the Olympics possibly. <laughs> The real news, we have it. Let's give it to you. Segment number two coming up next. Stick with us here on the Dave and Dave Handball Sports Radio Cast. You're listening to Dave and Dave. With SRN News, I'm Michael Harrington in Washington. President Trump has backed away from calling for a quarantine of virus hotspots in New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut, instead directing last night that a strong travel advisory be issued to stem the spread of the outbreak. Vice President Mike Pence tweeted that the CDC is urging residents of the three states, quote, to refrain from non-essential travel for the next 14 days. With businesses sinking under coronavirus outbreak restrictions, restaurants are transforming their operations and menus to try and stay afloat. For an Italian restaurant in New York City, that meant sending meals out for delivery for the first time, an effort it decided Friday to halt. A Cincinnati-based burger chain has gotten into the grocery business, and a Chicago fine dining restaurant offers a carry-out special dinner at a fraction of its usual dine-in meals. In an industry with historically tight profit margins, there's worry about the future. The National Restaurant Association is warning 5 million to 7 million jobs are in jeopardy. Keith Peters, Washington. Amid all the talk of coronavirus and funding bills, some lawmakers are not ashamed to talk about the role of prayer and their faith in God. It's not uncommon to hear prayers like this from Senate Chaplain Harry Black during a time of crisis. You are the source of our hope. But one senator, Republican James Lankford of Oklahoma, says he's hearing more and more people on the Hill talk about their reliance on the Almighty. They have mentioned with God's help we're going to get through this. They have mentioned the struggle that we're going through as a nation and how we're praying for each other. Langford says it's no time to put one's faith in government, nor on how much money it can spend. Bob Agnew, Capitol Hill. Iran's president lashing out at criticism for the country's lagging response to the worst virus outbreak in the Middle East, saying he had to weigh protecting the economy while tackling the pandemic. This is SRN News. Tonight on HLN, it's Forensic Files, then Forensic Files, followed by Forensic Files, then a whodunit on Forensic Files. Then, it's Nancy Grace, making wrong assumptions 9 out of 10 times. You know what? Cut his mic. And showing the same 15-second loop of video over and over and over. Grainy surveillance video emerges, mommy shopping just before baby Lisa vanishes. Then, it's Forensic Files, followed by many more Forensic Files. Tonight on HLN, which used to stand for Headline News 24-7, but now means heck. Let's not. I love this country. If you've ever heard Dave Fink on the air, you'd know exactly why the government is requiring us to self-quarantine. <laughs> You're listening to Dave and Dave's Handball Sports Radio Cast. First show we've done in quite some time. I mean, it's been a while. I was getting withdrawal symptoms. It's, it's a Dave, it. and, Dave and Dave Sports 
Radio Cast number 25. We've done 25 of these shows. You know, you get over 100 mm-hmm. and it goes into syndication. We're not quite there yet. No. We could make it there, though, during this pandemic. That, if we can make it that long. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should do a radio, a radio show every day. I mean, I think we have enough material. I mean, if my headline reading is any indication, uh, maybe not, but you know what I'm saying. Okay, so we have coming up the birthdays and also a quiz, but first, let's recap season number nine, the current season that we're in right now. Lance Wachholz, E4, welcomed us with the red carpet treatment. Right. Third straight year to kick off the official race parade season, Killing Carol won in 2017 Atlanta. 2018 was Lucho winning his first title, and then we come into 2019. Really a great field this year in Atlanta. I spent most of my time in Atlanta, or before Atlanta, trying to convince Nick Mattiani to play. <laughs> Finally got him at the 11th hour, and he showed up like he always does. He looked just, good. He, well, looked, he good. looked good. He, he jumped off to a 20-4 to lead against Max Langmack, who was previously in the top 18. Gets tired, holds on for dear life, and qualifies. Very strong qualifier there. Niall O'Connor, who got a direct entry there by virtue of winning one of the pre-stops that you mentioned at the RFC in July. So he was automatically in, and I saw him doing a lot of damage. Shorty Ruiz picked up after losing his first qualifier and after 13 straight qualifier wins. He loses in Salt Lake City in the last stop of last season. Bounces back and defeats Garrett Bacon. Mark Kearns, who you and I both had circled in red, Try to win the tournament. Right. He, of course, qualifies very easily. And we're thinking at that point, this is finally going to be his time. We would soon find out <laughs> later yeah. in that day, it wasn't going to be his time. Lauren Collado qualifies. Leo Canales, who, I mean, he's, if the season ends right now, he's got a huge next gen lead. He's going to take that next gen cup. Right. Last year, he came close to it, but he qualifies. Virgo Coughlin defeats Adam Bernhard. That was a very close match. That was a great one to watch. Fergal is a guy who kind of came out of nowhere in Salt Lake City, unranked. He beats three ranked players on Friday. That, that never happened before. Yeah. An unranked player taking down three ranked players. Max Langmack, Stephen Cooney, and Emmett all on the same day. The only wow. person that beat him that day was Killian Carroll. That's actually great. That's It's perfect for your resume. All-time resume. I mean, you're done. You yeah. can just retire. Yeah. I knocked off three now ranked it's... pros in the same day in my first tournament. Now it's off to pickleball. <laughs> <laughs> that's your next... That's the next move after that. You go right to pickleball. Let's jump right into that main draw in Atlanta. Fergo Coughlin nearly got another scalp. Loses 15-12 in the tiebreaker to Sean Lenning. He was up 12-10 there. Yeah, that's tough. That's a tough loss for him because that would have been... Now you're going up against Marcos in the next round if he wins that? There's right. a possibility there. That's, I mean... A possibility. There's a, he's definitely in the the realm of 40% you know, chance to win right. at minimum. Yeah. Danos Cordova, who coming into the tournament, we'd heard he'd hurt his shoulder in Toledo about six weeks prior. He hadn't played at all, had the bad left shoulder, doesn't have anyone to play in Atlanta. We thought well, he's primed for an upset. Particularly running into Niall O'Connor, who's, I think, one of the most exciting players that we've got on the tour coming out, you know, starting his race freight campaign in March of last year at the NYC. It, it felt like the first game, Niall had opportunities and Danny just looked good. It looked like one of those things where Niall didn't quite believe he had, he could do it. 
didn't have the confidence yet. Luis Cordova wins pretty easily against Lauren Collado. Leo Canales took a 12-5 lead against me in that first game. Only scored one more point for the rest of the match. Yeah, that's that's weird. You either Strange. figured out something with him. Uh, in that second game, you put a zero on him. And really, you had a minute 12 to 5. So what was it? 25 to 1 run? Something yeah. like that? Mm-hmm. That's not easy to do against anybody. But against Leo, who's a get artist? Yeah, that's tough. The match of the day, Vic Perez and Mark Mulkerns. I mean, Vic comes in there ranked number 6. Normally, the six-ranked guy is a huge favorite in any round of 16 match, but you thought, well, Martin's winning this. I mean, Martin's winning this, and then he's got this good draw. He's going to the finals. He'll have a good chance to win where he would meet Killian in the finals. He was on that bottom bracket. Vic Perez serves nine crack serve. Yeah, it was amazing. We've never seen that from Vic. Flat rollout aces. So a third of his points come on those ace serves, and he pretty much just dominates the match. And talking to Marco Chavez after that tournament ended and then a little bit during that actual match, he said that that's something Vic has actually tried to do in practice and yeah. at times is unstoppable when he hits right. those cracks. I mean, who isn't? But right. really, I never even heard of Vic hitting crack service before until I saw that. I've seen it. I just haven't seen nine. Yeah, it was it was amazing. In fact, it there were at least six more that happened while we were bragging that we hadn't seen him ever do anything like yeah. this. And then six more happened. Marcos Chavez and Shorty matched up. Seems like they match up all the time in the round of 16. Marcos always winning, always right. close. Right. And it was it was the same result here this time. Marcos wins the first easily. Shorty wins the second. And then that third game, pretty close, about 5-4. Shorty leads, and Marcos goes to an overhand Chapman two-wall serve. And Shorty said, I just felt lost, couldn't do anything with it. And Marcos runs away and wins that one. And then Emmett Pichot wins the first game in race freight history on an avoidable hinder. Yeah, that's true. At 14 I to 12. Forgot about that. Forgot about that one. And Iglesias just completely threw in the towel after that. Did not want to play anymore. Scores just one point. And this is a matchup that has been very close throughout the years. Iglesias overcame match point in their previous match in Salt Lake City, which was the last tournament, to beat Emmett. He goes out with a whimper, 15-1. to one. The, What now, about the quarterfinals, though? Well, Carroll beats Emmett pretty easily, 15-8, 15-7. Luis Cordova and I match up for the second year in the upper bracket quarterfinals in that four-versus-five matchup, and almost an identical match to the the previous year where Luis won a close tiebreaker. Daniel so, Cordova and Vic Perez, two games, both of them very close, and there was some controversy in that one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I forgot and that. Vic Perez has never complained about anything. And he was not happy about that. That was at about 12-all in the first game. Yeah, and that one ended with Danny up 15-13. to 13. So yeah. at 12-all, when you see that, I recall that now. Yeah. And that was like a deal breaker. Apparently, they were both looking for me. I was just outside trying to drown myself in the pool. Well, that was the only place that had a reflection of a mirror. <laughs> so, of course, you were looking, <laughs> looking down in that water. I know how it is. So it's Danny Cordova advancing there. Marco Chavez defeats Sean Lenning, and he beat him badly. It I mean, was, that was weird. Was a 23-minute match? That was a strange match. Never really saw anything like that. Marco's saying after the match, this means so much to me, I feel like I might cry. Well, and he almost did. Yeah. Semifinals. A repeat in the upper bracket of the previous year where Lucho Cordova just destroys Killian. Two games? Yeah, it was strange. Again, but good for Luis Cordova. Not strange in that sense. Well, this was his former home court. And then in the bottom bracket, it was Danny Cordova 
pretty easily against Marcos Chavez. Now, those guys have had some close matches in the playoffs, kind of off-air matches that most people don't get to see. They just see the scores. Normally, very competitive. We've seen a lot of 25-21-22. Even Marcos winning one in San uh -huh. Francisco a few yeah. years ago. But this semifinal wasn't that close. It's very tough to get over a cry and then come back and win a couple hours later. That's true. The cry takes a lot out of you. That's like your I Super know. Bowl. That's like your yeah. Super Bowl and right. it's hard to get past that. You can't have two Super Bowls in one day. And Danny also playing very well. So, you know, I'm not sure what, what Marcos could have done there. Marcos already had a tough tough road to get there. He wins a tiebreaker, defeats Lenning. Well, you know. I, I also think in game number two, Marcos was fairly close before Danny pulled away. Well, he was... Six to, six to seven, something like that. Okay. It just, it never felt like Marcos was really in that. And match. then Danny just pulled away and won that yeah. one. And then it went to the finals where we had the Cordova versus Cordova part two, the 2.0 version, because the previous year it happened almost exactly the same way. Right. And we were expecting another three game thriller. Right. The previous year, Danny could have easily won that match. He was up 12 10 in the tiebreaker. This is in. 2018. Uh -huh. Lucho comes back and wins that one. Really an amazing match. And then this year, it was a total dud. I don't I don't think I've ever seen Lucho play like that. Every time Danny has won a race stop, he's not Dominated. lost one game. Yeah. yeah he, I mean, you look back to his first win in Portland, he beats Killian Carroll 15-4, 15-6. And he just, he, he looked like Naughty Jr. did in his right. prime. Never, in the final, has never lost a game in the mat, in the race stops he's won. Yeah, that's crazy. No, he looked great. So it's Vic Perez taking fifth. Martin Malkerns takes ninth for the second straight event. Also his third straight ninth place in his last three race for eight events. I dubbed him Mr. Ninth after the tournament. Little did I know that was going to light yeah. a big fire. I shouldn't have said that. And now he yeah. sort of, it kind of reminds me of that Charlie Shanks year. Very interesting that first year for Shanks. He should have beat Naughty Jr. in Idaho. You remember, he uh -huh. had match point. Yep. He, he was up 10-6 on the tiebreaker to 11, lost 11-10. Yeah, that's... Should have won that match. Right. I mean, he was outplaying them the whole way. Goes to the U.S. Open, makes the final. Loses 11-9 to McCarthy in the final. That could have also been a win, but regardless, that's a great result. That pushed him into the top eight. Next tournament, he beats Mondo. Then he goes on to lose in the first round. Fresno losing the first round in LAC. Strange year for Shanks, but he finished that year number four. I'm not sure we're going to see Martin losing first rounds like Shanks did that year. Maybe not this season, but I mean, first round, if you consider round of 16, he's lost. Well, yeah, in the past. But I'm saying yeah. going forward. Not going forward, I don't see right. it. No. So and that's a, that's Atlanta. The next stop, Dave, and I guess we'll just jump right into the next yeah, one. Yeah, let's do it. The Portland Classic LTE. But this stop was amazing. The hospitality, Connor Casey... His family, it was an outstanding stop. Every pro that attended there had a free place to stay. I stayed with the Casey's. Wow, I didn't couldn't know have that. Been, couldn't have been nicer. I know that all the pros that came in from out of town were staying with some of these great Pacific Northwest players. And it was a nice field. You know, yeah. they've got a great handball community there in the Pacific Northwest. Close to about 20 players or so entered that one in the pros. I would say yes. 18 or so, something like that. Luis Cordova got in one in the morning on Friday night. He was able to push his match until Saturday. On Saturday, he outscores his opponents 90 to nine. That was the round of 16 quarterfinals and semis all on Saturday. He wins his first round zero and zero, his next round zero and one, and then he wins four and four in the semis. I mean, he was playing 
just unbelievable handball at that tournament. So he's into the finals very quickly. Sean Lenning is in the bottom bracket. He's the number two seed. Now he had an amazing match with Vic Perez. They split the first two games, neither was close, and the tiebreaker was just outrageous handball. Vic led 12-10. Oh, wow. Yeah. and I bet you the crowd loved that. No, it, this, and they love Sean up there anyway. This was electric, and this was that primetime Saturday night match. It was the last yeah. match of the night. The buffet had just come out. Everyone People there. were happy. Yep. I mean, you weren't, but <laughs> no. you know, people were happy. I'm sure getting, you were probably the ref, right? I was. Okay. Yeah. So Lenning wins that one. 15-12. He scores the last five points of that match. And this was one of those matches that could have gone either way. Both guys played extremely well in the tiebreaker. A lot of highlight reel shots. Finals is on Sunday morning. Of course, I'm refing again. I go down courtside from the balcony. This is on the back courts at the MAC. We're not playing on the glass right? Here. And I said, let's take pictures. You know, I've got this first place medal, the trophy. And Lucho said, there's no reason for him to hold the first place trophy. He's not winning anything. Hi-yi-yi. And when Lucho gets into that mindset, I mean, and it was like not easy to beat a guy that's thinking like that. I mean, it was serious. This was not. Joking. I know this dude. When he's like that, he's, yeah, you can't beat him. I don't think he predicted he'd win in tiebreaker, though. I mean, that's a lot of confidence for a guy right. to put your trophy in the bag yeah. and then go lose the first game. I but, don't know. But it shows you the confidence that he should have won that first game. He had game points to win it because he lost in overtime, and then it was just like no problem. Does not change his gloves. Just comes in and just wins thirty to one. Yeah, that's that's impressive. And Lucho has been the tour's most prolific LTE winner. And he added another one later in the season that we'll address also. But it just seems like he gets to these LTEs. The only person who's ever beat him in an LTE is his brother. Now we go to Tucson. And that's, you would say, the biggest crowds of the season. Definitely the most handball fans. It's the biggest event. It's the rowdiest. The I mean, it's filled to the absolute capacity. Yeah, and rightly so. I right. mean, it is the home of the WPH and the United States Handball Association. So, of right. course, you got a big group of people and their fans, and uh, there's a lot of players that come here. Now it's become a tradition. That was back in November of 2019. We had the seniors stop here, as well as the women's pros and the elite guys. Right. We'll talk about the women and the seniors in our next radio cast, but let's just talk about those elite dudes right now. We had the qualifier. I know that Shorty Ruiz was the number one seed and he held true as he won 25 to 6 against Mike Simplis, your buddy from Pittsburgh. That was such a huge qualifier that we played. We had to play it Thursday afternoon, Thursday night, and Friday morning. Right. And, I mean, there were just no easy matches in that qualifier. Now, Leo Canales was a direct entry into that event based on winning the Tucson pre-qualifier in early September. So he bypassed the qualifier. Martin Malkern's you know, he was in second gear, gets past Marcos Renneria from Juarez. Abraham Montillo defeats Marcos Lemus, and Abe was not looking all that sharp in the round prior to this against Carlos Lemus. In fact, he was down 18-15 in that match. Yeah, he Comes back and wins that, and then Marco, who is so talented, did not show any of that talent in this match. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, he went right through the, the Lemus brothers. The only person he was missing was... Omar. Right. Omar might would have given him a better game in the final. Yeah, probably so. I agree. I remember when you beat Omar after a huge steak dinner at the LAC 2012. Well, it wasn't after. No gloves. It wasn't after. I put the plate right in the corner of the yeah. court. <laughs> Still eating it. Oh. Virgo Coughlin continues his impressive run. 
defeats Dylan Hernandez 25-15. Now, that was a match I thought, you know, Dylan, you're going to qualify at some point, right? I mean, he's, in my opinion, the best player who's played and not qualified. I agree. Now, you could say, obviously, there's players out there that are have never played on a race event. Sure. So you can't count them. As far as people who have played, Dylan, in my opinion, is the best to have played and not qualified. And he gets pretty much trounced by Frogo Coughlin. 25-15, but a lot of those 15 were garbage points down 20 to 3. I agree. Scoring some, you know, covering the spread. Sean Kerr, he's in control against Max Langback, 25-14. Max Langback was touted as the next big thing. And I mean, is that a pun? He's six foot nine. Yeah. Well, I'm, is the pun intended? It was intended. Okay. Then, yes, it is. Oh, Max Langmack, 2018, Houston, takes down Michael Galton, Abe Montijo to qualify. Then he gets in the playoffs and defeats Marcos Chavez and Dave Munson. I mean, that's amazing. And then think about Atlanta a couple years back when he scored some pretty good points against Luis Cordova in a tiebreaker. He Luis Cordova 12-10 in the tiebreaker. Right. And, and that's a tournament that Luis won. Right. Luis was three points from being knocked out of that event. And yeah, by amazing. Max Langmack. So Max is this can't-miss guy, and he's qualified just one time since then? Yeah, unreal. I don't I don't get it. Nilo Connor struggles against Drift Fernandez. Very good match. They forgot the score, which happens. And it was, you know, pandemonium. How do you forget the score? Well, you know, one person thinks they have 21, the other person thinks you have 20, that kind of thing. And you're only going to 25. Right, it's a big difference. Yeah, okay. the score was like... Either 21-20 or 20-20. to 20. They couldn't really decide. So how did they, they decide? They a coin. Oh, my God. Are yeah. you kidding me? <laughs> well, that's Hamble. Stephen Cooney defeats Adam Bernhardt 25-20. That was the second straight qualifier that Bernie was tied at 20 and lost 25-20. Let's, let's move into that round of 16 where Martin Kearns is looking to finally get past, you know, that round of 16 into the round of 8. He's done it before, but it's been since 2013 in Salt Lake City where he beat Emmett. Otherwise, he's just been mired and stuck in those ninth place playoffs. This time he draws Vic Perez again because we're going straight by the rankings and because Vic beat him, Martin didn't jump up in the rankings. Vic stayed in the same spot and they ended up exactly yeah. like Atlanta. And this time, Martin just destroys yeah. Vic. I mean, And it was a different Martin this time. I played Martin two days before that tournament. Martin, of course, got here two weeks early. And I thought, oh my gosh, I mean, this guy's winning this tournament. There's no, like, how, who's going to beat this? He turns around a 15-12, 15-12 loss to Vic Prez and wins 15-6, 15-2. Now, Niall O'Connor matches up against Danos Cordova, also in a rematch of Atlanta. And you would have thought Danos would have been much more prepared for this one. He just came right. off the win. Yeah. He was, probably his injury was, was gone and he was, would have been sharper because he had just played in this tournament three weeks prior. But this time, Niall O'Connor wins convincingly. Drops the first game, wins 15-9, 15-8. Big upset. Huge. Yeah. And I, I remember watching that match. I could not believe how good Niall was playing. Hmm. I mean, just absolutely rolling balls out. I He was taking the, the gutsy shots that yeah. Daniel wasn't taking. Okay. And the exact same thing that Daniel did to dominate that win in Atlanta, or I mean... You know, the previous uh, tournament that he won, uh, he was not doing that against Nile. Nile was doing it to him. Lucho defeats Sean Kerr pretty pretty easily. Sean Lenning, also in a rematch against Fergal Coughlin. Remember, he was three points from losing to Fergal 
in Atlanta. This time, he yeah. challenges him. Yeah, this was different. I defeated Abraham Montijo. Shorty Ruiz, for the second straight time, defeats Emmett. And this time, he doesn't need to overcome match point like he did on Emmett's home court in San Francisco six months earlier. He just destroys Emmett. You know, what's really weird about this is that when Emmett goes to that ceiling game against everybody else, uh-huh. it seems to have an effect. But yeah. with Shorty, it works the opposite way. Huh. I'd almost say ground and pound with Emmett might work because yeah. that, I don't know why. That short game, or going to the ceiling and playing methodical, just doesn't work against Shorty. And then it was Killian Carroll taking down his NYAC teammate, Stephen Cooney, 15-4, 15-6. You got a feel for the Coon Dog. It just seems like every time he qualifies, he runs into Killian. Yeah. I think that that nails it. You had Leo Canales and Marco Chavez matching up, and it was Leo getting past Marcos. That's right. a big win. And that's the thing with Marcos. He's most vulnerable in the first round, I think. He's the kind of guy that seems to get better with each round. Right. And if you count playoffs and seniors and qualifiers, there's tournaments where he's in four divisions. And it seems like on Sunday, he's playing his best ball. Yeah. 10, 11 matches in. And I do count those as different divisions. And as we look at the quarterfinals and the semis, Killian Carroll went up against Shorty Ruiz. And that's, right. again, like I say, I feel like these guys play each other a lot, probably a lot more than Cooney does Killian. But I mean, this is the quarters, so... Right, And but Shorty yeah. hasn't been to the quarters a lot. Right, But right. he certainly has played his fair share against Killian in the round of 16. And yes. finally, you make it to the quarters, and guess who you have to face? Yeah. The same guy that you played the previous tournament in the round of 16. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And... Killian defeated him, what, 15 to 5, 15 to 7, something like yeah. that. Sean Lenning just crushed me in that next <laughs> round. Played, I thought, amazing. Uh, it was really good. I mean, I couldn't do anything. Some of the best I've seen. Martin Mulkerns now matches up against Lucho. Lucho had beat Martin in Salt Lake City. That was another one of Martin's first round losses. That was a close match. Lucho wins that in a tiebreaker. This time, Martin wins that first game in overtime and wins the second game pretty easily. Lucho had game point in that first game, was not able to convert. Yeah. But this is a matchup that is we're gonna see for the next 10, 15 years. These guys are in their mid-20s, and then it's two qualifiers, Leo Canales and Nilo Connor. That's only the second time in history that qualifiers have faced one another in the quarterfinals, the first time being in Houston when it was Celesto against Aaron Garner. Mm-hmm. So that. qualifiers guaranteed a spot in the semifinals, and that's huge. Leo Canales wins that against Nile O'Connor, 15-12, 15-6. Wow. Just so people know, if you just tuned in, this is the recap of season number nine. We're in Tucson, Arizona, which was stop number two on the Race for Eight Tour back in November of 2019. We're at the semifinals where Killian Carroll was going up against Sean Lenning, and the lower bracket was Martin Mulkerns against uh, Leo Canales Jr. Let's start with the bottom bracket. Martin Mulkerns had matched up with Leo in two straight tournaments prior to this. Both of those were in the playoffs. Defeated Leo badly in both those playoff matches, Salt Lake City and Atlanta, and then he continues that. Really puts it on Leo, 15-8, 15-2. So Martin is on to his first final. And now, then Sean Lenning up against Killian Carroll. That was sort of the marquee match again, yeah. just like Portland. The crowd was going crazy yeah. down there, and they enjoyed watching this one. And Lenning and Carroll had also matched up in Tucson the previous year in the semifinals. Lenning won that one. And the scores here, though, were Lenning winning 15 to 10, 15 to 12. Right. Well, that was a great match. And you could kind of sense Sean was kind of holding on. He was 
using every bit of energy he had left. And he, I think he knew in that second game that he's got to win this in two games. Because if this goes to a third game, I'm not sure he would have had the conditioning right. to you know, to hang with Killian for another 15 points. So he does just get himself over the line there, 15-12. Now, Killian was in there, of course, I mean, but Sean made those great shots. Emmett Pichot bounces back from that first-round loss to Shorty Ruiz and outscores his three opponents in the ninth-place playoff 75-16 to to take ninth there. So that's the thing about these events. You show up in the first round, and you might look terrible or feel like you played terrible, and then you just go on and just completely dominate. We've seen a lot of players do that. I took the fifth place playoffs. Well, th- that was four straight times you played Luis Cordova in tournaments, I believe. Right. Right. Four yeah. straight tournaments you yeah. played him at some point. Now, right. th- this is different when you're in a yeah. fifth place playoff final against uh, Luis as opposed to playing him in the quarterfinals or the semis of a tournament. But you beat him this time. Right. No, Martin Malkerns and Lenning now in the final. Okay. That was a good one. Well, that was one that we really thought, well, this is going to be you know, one of the great matchups. We've seen them go back and forth. In fact, they were two and two lifetime against each other going into that match. Martin had beat him at the Nationals and Sean Lenning had defeated Martin on the race for eight. So this was another one that you'd say, well, this is one of the great matchups in the sport, particularly because we haven't seen it that much. Right. You know, in the six or seven years, Martin's been playing, you know, at this level. They've only matched up four times. Sean looked a little flat. He did. In the final. He did. Just... Not 15 to 9, 15 to 6 were the scores of those two games. And right. Martin then sort of really, I think, created some fans. Uh, he already had them, but mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Yeah. I think it kind of shows up on people's radar when you, you beat a Sean Lenny. And if you've ever played Sean Lenny, you know just how impossible it is to. I don't know how he's ever lost a match, to be honest. <laughs> really? I mean, he's so good. Yeah. And so. It felt good for Martin as well, because I think Martin said to me afterwards that he recalls the first time he ever played Sean Lenny. And we remember that. (laughs) That was just, it's one of the all-time memories I'll have until I die. Sean Lenny dominating Martin Mulkerns. No, I mean, it was was an amazing mic drop moment for Sean back at, I believe that was Salt Lake City when he played Martin Mulkerns. But Martin got him back here, though, and wins the Tucson event. And that was uh, in two straight. And so he gets the crown. We also have the women's and the seniors, but we'll talk about that in the next episode. Now we're going to shift to the first event of 2020, the Red Death, which is another red carpet event for the players. Sean Sandow, Red, Jollify, roll out the red carpet. I mean, the qualifier, I'm not going to sensationalize everything. This was not the strongest qualifier that we've ever had. You see Leo Canales defeating Svenny. Iglesias defeats Fred Schoner. Shorty Ruiz defeats Tom Polzin. Abraham Montillo qualifies. Adam Bernhard, in probably the most contentious 25-5 to match you'll ever see in your life, defeats Kyle English. Kyle English called him every name under the sun and then some that I've never even heard of. Yeah, it was pretty amazing that Kyle English said, quote, unquote, uh, this isn't real handball. Mm-hmm. Talking about Bernhardt's lob serve. I'm losing to my grandma. <laughs> so that was entertaining, but for a different reason. Now, we did see the mystery man, Sun Lee, who entered under an alias. Right. I don't even remember what the alias was, but Sun Lee defeats Dylan Hernandez. Well, he got humbled in the round of 16. Yeah. In that tournament, we're talking about Montana earlier this year as he played Daniel Cordova and lost 15-2, to 15-6. to 6. Definitely think with a couple years of training, Sun is in the top eight. Yes. And there's no question in my mind. I played Sun in 2008. 
beat me in 11-10 tiebreaker, and he played just unbelievable. Couldn't tell you how great he played or how bad my behavior was in that match. Which one do you think was better or my worse? My behavior was worse than how great than he, how played. Great he, he was. he played top two handball in that match. Yeah, well, he's, my behavior he can be amazing. He can, really can be amazing. But so can your your off behavior can be amazing too, but in the wrong type of amazing. Really wrong. I mean, Carol, I mean it in the total wrong way. So, yes, okay, I'm not, yeah, I'm in agreement. Well, to continue along with this uh, blowout of the first yes. round, Killian okay. Carroll over Dalton Beal, fifteen to one, fifteen to six, and then Martin Mulkerns. Eleven minutes, and Martin Mulkerns, including oh. the four minutes between games. Yeah, and then Martin Mulkerns gets past John Iglesias, fifteen to four, fifteen to five. Right, Something Iglesias like is another one that needs more court time. The blowouts continued as Leo Canales gets whipped by Emmett Pichot, fifteen to six, fifteen to four, and then Vic Perez gets past Abraham Montijo, fifteen to four, fifteen to eight in that round of sixteen. Tough matchup for anybody. You got past Adam Bernhardt. Seems like you guys match up a lot. I'm not sure why, but it just that's frustrating for me because Adam is another tricky guy to play, and there's a lot of gamesmanship and. He's qualified eight times, and we've played each other five of those eight times. Yeah, what are crazy. the chances of that? Yeah. I believe the monkey was off the back at this tournament for Shorty Ruiz, who got past Marco Chavez right. in two straight. This wasn't a tiebreaker. This was 15 to 7, 15 to 11, something like that. And uh, and a real big win for him. I think, you know, Marcos is always somebody that you put a target on. You say, right. well, this is kind of the gateway into the pros. No, it isn't. Actually, you can't get past him. The guy's no. hard. He does not lose these opening rounds against qualifiers much. I mean, he has, but it just doesn't happen often. And the big match of that round of eight happened to, or excuse me, round of 16, happened to be Luis Cordova and, and Collado. Lauren, didn't they match up like incredibly against each other? there that was a very good match and i know that you saw the post from lauren on patreon today lauren's very serious and he is doing everything he can to kind of climb the ranks and you see him push luis cordova like he did in that match and you say whoa you know this guy has got what you need you know he's got two good hands right. he's plays very percentage handball and he's not intimidated I like his game a lot. Well, he almost got Luis in that first one. Lost in overtime, 16 to 14. Loses game number two. Another close one. Most players, you would think, would score three in the second game right. after losing the first one yeah. so close. But he got 10 points, and it was closer than that score looked. Luis Cordova advances, though, from the quarters to the semis to face Martin Mulkerns in that bottom bracket of the semifinal. Vic Perez and Killian Carroll in the upper bracket uh, going up against each other later in that evening, which was uh, one of the highlight matches. And Killian got past Vic Perez in two. Martin Mulkerns got past Luis Cordova in an entertaining bottom bracket match, which set up for a final. That was entertaining. Killian Carroll versus Martin Mulkerns. And we really felt, I mean, I did, that Martin was going to win this one for a few reasons. One, it just seemed like it was Martin's year. Mm -hmm. But Killian has this thing in, in Montana where he has these comebacks. And I mean, not just Montana. I mean, we've seen right. it in San Francisco well, in previous lost years. in Montana. It's just, it's strange how Killian is when it comes to these events. But Martin just couldn't keep up with him there. Yeah, Killian made a couple of amazing shots. Now, I still want to know if that shot made it when he threw it into the back wall and it rolled out. Still don't. I've seen the clip now. You remember Killian throws the ball into the back wall. Amazing get. Hits the front wall and it looks like it just rolled out. You said it was a, it was good. Yeah. You still think it was good? Yeah. Okay. 
I, I just still don't know. I only judge it off of the way the ball's spinning on that first bounce after it comes out. And if it's spinning forward, or, you know, if it, it has a backspin, then it hit the ground first. That's just physics. And if it's spinning forward, then the ball made the front wall. And that's what happened. So Killian wins that first game 16-14. Okay, yeah. And then he just... Martin goes up 5-0 in that second game. He never scores again. Yeah, I think he went up 5-0 or 4-0 in the first game as well. And it okay. seemed like, oh, yeah, Martin's on a roll here. Yeah. And both of those games seemed like they were going to go Martin's way, and none of them did. Killian, though, wins the, uh, what was it, the fishing net that they right. made for him there, plus our crystal, and gets uh, first place and continues his number one ranking here with the world players of handball after taking down Montana. In the ninth place playoffs, Marcos was way down against Leo Canales, 15-6 to six at the half, and he comes back and wins that 25-20. Yeah, Just rewriting the record books, Marcos is winning the ninth place playoffs at almost 46 years old. Yeah. That was a good win for him. Dylan Hernandez, of course, you can pencil him in for 17th at pretty much every event he plays. And we can pencil you in for playing for 5th, which you did, and you defeated Daniel Cordova, which is a good win, uh, assuring that you play at Cordova every single tournament of the year. I felt like there was some sort of prank going on that everyone at the club was involved with. I played my best match ever, and not one person even acknowledged that the yeah. match happened. Was that, were you behind that? or? Yeah. That was good. I only do these in Montana. Okay. I don't know why. Yeah. Because it was, I mean, I walked off the court. There was no fist bumps or high fives or anything. It was like, never even happened. Now, there was a 75B match that I pushed everybody down to on that (laughs) squash court. Yeah. Where they kept the squash ball on because it wouldn't work correctly. And so we got everybody down there to watch that. Okay. It was fun. Yeah. Hope you didn't take offense to that. (laughs) (laughs) Episode 25 of the Dave and Dave Handball Sports Radio Cast here on iTunes, TuneIn Radio, WPHlive.tv as we give you a recap of season number nine, the current season that we're in on the race for eight, as we have a couple more stops to run down, New Orleans and the Rodney Fink Classic to name a few. Stick around. Segment number 2B is next. A podcast with integrity. The spirit of radio with real down-home values. Who am I kidding? These guys suck. You're listening to Dave and Dave's Handball Sports Radio Cast. If you're missing that connection with the community, no worries. We have your exclusive handball content available right now at patreon.com slash WPHlive. As a Patreon pledge supporter of the WPH, you'll have access to our complete on-demand handball tournament catalog, rare interviews, never-seen-before handball content, tutorials, instructional videos, the Dave and Dave radio cast, breaking news, plus the secret backdoor hidden links to watch every streamed handball event live when they happen, even the ESPN tournaments. Your exclusive handball content awaits. Make a pledge at patreon.com slash WPHlive. It no longer matters where you are. The World Players of Handball has you covered at WPHlive.tv. From breaking news stories, player interviews, tournament recaps, stats, and videos, the WPH is in the palm of your hand. Check out the tournament calendar, junior handball, the interactive web store, or become a member and access over 2,000 handball videos on demand. It all starts with your smartphone or device. The World Players of Handball at WPHlive.tv. 
Self-isolation, frustration, that's why we're here. I thought I told you never to interrupt me while I'm working. You're listening to Dave and Dave. We are back. It's episode number 25, segment number 2A. And I have to apologize, Dave. I ended that last segment a little early and we weren't even going to take a break there, but I got right. my results back, my coronavirus results. Mm-hmm. You were able to find a test? I found one. I yeah. mean, everyone's being tested, right? I, that's what I heard on Fox News. Everyone can get one. Yeah, so anybody. No problem. Yeah, so I got it's my easy. test results. Yeah, got my test results. Yeah. And they told you to continue to stay away from all people. Let me just put it this way. 10 years like you have. I'm really positive. Yeah. With these results. (laughs) Uh, Is negative good? Because usually when you take a test and they say negative, that means... (laughs) I've never seen you negative about anything. Okay, so this is the Handball Radio Cast with Dave and Dave and a continuation of the recap of the current season that we're in, season number nine, for the men's pros... We only have two more stops before the pandemic closes us down. One of those two stops, both of them actually were LTEs. One of them was in New Orleans. The second one was at your alma mater. Well, you know, it almost takes a pandemic to make you fully appreciate how great these events are. Just looking back on these events and you think about all these great moments, you know, these great tournament directors, the people that are traveling all over the world to come to these tournaments, the great matches, the great players and people. New Orleans... It was really wait, a wait, highlight. Hold on, hold on. Are you starting to cry a little bit? If I, I cry, I'm out. I see a tear. I mean, I won't even be able to finish. There's you no know crying. what happens when you cry. There's no crying in the radio land here. First of all, Bob Kaluta welcomes us again. Bob is amazing. He's got this big fish fry going. But I think what stuck out from New Orleans more than anything, there was 12 young people from Ireland that yeah, traveled that, all That was I mean, awesome. They made the tournament. The, the energy was totally awesome. I mean, there was, I think, seven guys that played in the pro. All nice players, five women. Yeah, no, it was what a group. I, I, I totally mean, agree with you. You yeah. see that? How can you not be inspired in this yeah, sport? Totally right. And those guys were good, good players. I mean, we saw David Walsh, who held match pointing against Niall O'Connor. This is the same Niall O'Connor that beat Daniel Cordova. David Walsh held match point against him at the RFC pre-qualifier in July. Comes up short, led 24-23 in that final. But he does earn his first race freight ranking at this tournament. He defeats the Canadian Maple Leaf, Ryan Bowler. And he beats him badly. And Bowler had beat David Walsh in San Francisco seven months earlier. And you were flabbergasted. I remember your reaction. You actually looked at David Walsh and said, you're kidding, right? Yeah. I, I mean, did. it was a nice moment, I think. No offense, Ryan, because I know you're listening. He was standing there. <laughs> <laughs> this so, is a so, joke, right? So uh, like, there was a fence meant then, if that was yeah. the case. Okay. So let's just jump right into that quarterfinals there, where Lucho faces David Walsh, beats him 15-6, 15-11. Now, in a soon-to-premiere piece on Patreon, David Walsh talks about what's meant so much to him. He listed this match as being one of his most significant, happiest moments of his handball career. Well, then he has to get rid of game number one. Game number two, 15 to 10, that's not bad against Luis Cordova. Right. Yeah, he was happy with that. He should have been. He drops into the the fifth place playoffs there. Now, Shorty Ruiz is aiming for his first semifinal of his race break career. He goes up against his Southwest rival, Leo Canales, who, believe it or not, he had never beat. Right. In fact, he had never beat his dad until a couple months before this. <laughs> that's right. But he does defeat Leo, and he beats him 
convincingly, 15-12, 15-9. Nice win there. I don't sure. know if it's convincingly. I mean, I'd take those scores and run with them, but, you know, 15-12, it was much closer than that sounded when you mm-hmm. said it, and 9 is fairly good, and Leo just seemed off there in this tournament for me. I know that, you know, this is quarterfinals, but Leo should be the one that's putting Luis Cordova into a tiebreaker. Just wasn't there at this tournament. Danos defeats Patrick Function, not to be confused with his brother Peter, but Patrick's also a very nice player, and Patrick... Should have won that second game. I mean, what happened? He's up 13 to 8. Yeah. It's uh, like, just make a couple of shots and this is over. You're going to a tiebreaker. But he couldn't. And he ends up losing seven straight points. Surprising. And then, of course, it was... You against Bernhardt again. Like, like every tournament. Right. And I advanced there. So, moving on to the semifinals where Lucho faces Shorty Ruiz. And I remember saying to Shorty, I said, I don't know why you don't do better against the Cordovas. It seems like you would with your game. I mean, you got, you know, he's never taken either of them to a tiebreaker. He does this time. Yes. I was watching from a side court, and I, okay. I can tell you that I was I was tracking another thing going on at the same time, so it was okay. a little bit more difficult for me to, to focus like I wanted to, but I'm telling you, Shorty looked great from that side court. Not hearing the referee, I was saying, Shorty must be like, I don't know, 11 to 0 at this point. I think he was. Shorty lost the first game 15-3, wins 15-6, and then loses 15-6. All right. Now, we've seen the stats. The player that wins the second game wins roughly 60% of the matches. That did not happen in either of these semifinals, where Danos Cordova defeated me in a tiebreaker. Yeah. And the thing about that one was it seemed like Danny just flipped a switch. That was a different... I mean, really, everything that you did right in the first game... Danny did right in the second and the third game, and he was just one step ahead of you on everything. Well, he was beating me 12-0 to in that second game. It was bad. Yeah. yeah. And in the third game, I felt like I was kind of getting into it. We had about a 35-shot rally at about 4-all, and I just felt like I'm done. I can't even breathe. And then it was pretty routine for him from there. Then it was Lucho time in the finals. Right. And... This was one of those amazing matches. Now, this one... This was amazing. It well, really this was. was. no. I mean, you could say it's some fault of their own, but it was a sloppy match because the courts were soaking wet. I mean, it was hot. It was raining. Both these guys ran out of clothes. Lucho had his handball bag stolen the night before, so he showed up in sweatpants. He's playing in sweatpants in a 95-degree court. <laughs> yeah. He had no shirts, so he was borrowing shirts from people in the crowd. No gloves. Danny in the same situation with no shirts. It was a train wreck. And, that first, and the first game looked horrible. Like, it's not one of those matches you would want to put up on the billboard. It no. looks sloppy. Yeah. It was, but and then... And they just decided, between the two of them, they're just going to play all slides, which they did. Which made it more interesting. And after that, I'm telling you, some of these gets that I saw yeah. these guys make, I, I've i been watching this game for 40-something years. Yeah. I have never seen this, ever, between two players at the same time. Well, I, I heard Bob Kaluta say this. And, I mean, I had to think about it. He said, if the ball bounces, a Cordova will get to it. And it's true. Yeah. One inch high, they get to it. It used to be Danny Cordova was the one. That Luis is a get artist. Yeah. I mean, what in the world did yeah. I witness back there? You know, you see one of these get artist guys like Aleo Canales or even a Killian Carroll, but you never really see two get artists going after it with each other. These two guys were. It was absolutely amazing. I, I saw balls that were hit three inches high that they were picking up. I don't know. I know, how. and I agree with you. Some of those balls off the back wall, I, I try to look back and say, that was two bounces off the ground? No. 
video replay shows that these yeah, balls no. were all good. It's hard. These guys look the same in there, and then the matches are so close. You look back on it, you say, who won? Who actually won? Yeah. But Daniel had 13 in the second game. He won the first game. He really dominated that first game. And then he he has 13. He's up 13 to 12 in that second game, and he's two points from winning the match. I'm thinking this is it. I mean, he's going to figure out a way to do it. He doesn't. Daniel goes up again in the tiebreaker, 8 to 5, and then loses... I think he loses 15 to 8 or 15 to 9. Lucho comes back. Lucho just has this swagger about him, and it's... You know, you'd say it's cocky when he says, well, give me that trophy. I'm winning. But he has this... He's never overwhelmed by any moment or any player. He just feels like, well, I don't care what the score is. I still am going to win. Yeah. And you kind of sense that. You watch it and you sense it. When you're playing him, you sense it. He's just unfazed by everything. He's not nervous. He never counts himself out. And that's what he did here against his brother. So we had some great action there on Sunday. No, it was fun. Actually, it was a really cool tournament. For as many people that weren't there, Mm -hmm. it seemed like it was a packed house. I I loved it. It was a great vibe. Having the young players there makes a huge difference. And they had such a great attitude. And we'll talk about this maybe in another episode, but really a great junior clinic there in New Orleans. All these guys from Ireland and ladies were in the court. They were interactive. Yeah, it was good. So let's move on to the RFC, which... We don't want to say, but it could have been the last event this season. It could we, be. We didn't think that at the time. No. Actually, had to close the club down <laughs> on on Friday night. The matches went so long. And I saw Killian Carroll. I've never seen Killian Carroll make a comment online. He said his favorite match of the year was the quarterfinals between Daniel Cordova and Stephen Cooney. They had to play in the dark. The lights are on a timer there at that LA Fitness, and they just turned off at 9.55. There was no way to get them back on. There was only a floodlight at the top of the back wall, and I said, we can go to another club down the street, or we can finish this tomorrow morning. They said, no, let's just finish it now. It was 4-4 on the tiebreaker, and they just finished it. Well, apparently Daniel has better eyes than well, does Steve Cooney, because he ended up winning 15-4. to So Steven did not score in the dark. Yeah, he can't. A lot of people say it's easier to score in the dark. Well... Try being fat. <laughs> Let's move on to the quarterfinals there where Killian Carroll, no trouble against Nick Mattiani. Nick Mattiani does well for himself, gets seven points in that second game. He's got to feel good about that. But he's also playing the seniors right. at the same but, time. But, which but, is, you know, Nick oh, is smart enough to know, okay, this match is out of my reach. I'm just going to cruise, save my energy. I've got the seniors. I've got, right. You know, so he, I think both guys kind of conserving in that match. Now, this was an interesting tournament because we played the semis and finals on the same day, which is unusual. Marcos Chavez defeats Vic Perez after so many close misses against Vic. In fact, he held match point against Vic in New Orleans in 2018. This time, he leaves nothing to chance. You said, Dave, you've never seen anything like it, the way Marcos played in that match. It reminded me a little bit about the time that we sat back and watched Emmett Pichot get beat by Marco Chavez in Las Vegas. Uh It was sort of like that. Now, I defeated Iglesias very quickly. 15-3, to 15-2. To, to get to the semifinals, where I would face Daniel Cordova for the second, third straight tournament. Then when you played Daniel here, you... I lost game one. I was up 10-4 to four and double-faulted and lost 15-11. Okay, and, but it was you came out and you yelled at yourself continuously for four minutes mm-hmm. at yourself, as loud as 
you can yell in a mm. club that everybody had to get up and scatter mm. away from you at. Mm. Then you went into the court and you yelled at yourself until the referee called the score. So it was close to five minutes of yelling. <laughs> and for some reason, it worked. Mm. Because you then defeated Daniel, as I recall, 15 to zero yeah. in game number two. Right. So I, as much as it affected me at that moment, saying this is just completely nuts, mm. it actually worked. Yeah. But what happened in game number three? You came out and you were like high-fiving people and then it didn't work. You you, you lost in game number three. Should, should you have well, yelled the, at yourself? When you win 15 to zero, it's kind of like a cry moment. It's like, that's your tournament. It's over. So I just felt like, well, I just did what I had to do. And now, you know, I can just focus on the seniors. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good one. <laughs> well, I lost that tiebreaker 15 to 10. And Killian Carroll, of course, wins against Marcos Chavez. Now, Marcos does well against Killian. He doesn't win, but he's pretty respectable. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the I first agree. time they played in Tucson, Marcos lost 15 to 0, 15 to 5. And you thought, well, it's never going to get better for Marcos because... But it has. It actually. has. Yeah. I mean, he actually, you know, occasionally he gets 9 or 10, like he did here, 15, 9, 15, 7. Now the final, anticlimactic. Yeah. Killian just rolled through Daniel. And Daniel had a lead about 6-1. to one. But once again, it's a Cordova in the LTE final. Right. Just like the, a Cordova's in every one of these finals. Right. And always winning them, usually. And that could have very well been one of the last matches of the year for us yeah. as we're in that pandemic, lockdown, self-isolated right. quarantine. Yeah. Anything else you want to say about the RFC? I know you have a lot to say about it, but this was the last stop that we were going to talk about in this segment before we get on to the birthdays and the quick trivia. Well, of course, I have to thank my dad for making it happen. I mean, he really stepped up. This was the 12th RFC, the longest-running WPH event. I want to thank you, Dave, for coming, filming it. That made a huge difference. We've never had the RFC film before. And thank all the players from Canada, California, Illinois, Tennessee. I mean, these guys came from all over to be part of it. And I felt like we had a, a great event. Yeah, it was really fun, actually. Yeah. And you know what's really interesting is this tournament's named after your dad. He should have a big chair that he sits in. Mm -hmm. Maybe a little crown, you know, yeah. with a... He would not argue against those. No, he wouldn't. He totally no. wouldn't. Yeah. But he's the one that put everybody else in the chair. Hmm. That's how he does it. And, and he also paid for all the prize money. Right. I mean, you're honoring him at a tournament right. and he's putting up all the money. Yeah. That's to run how the it tournament. Does. <laughs> it's supposed to work that way, Rodney. Now, this is how he is. You go over to his house, he's always having shoulder surgery because he can't help himself. Yeah. From, you know, he gets back on the court two months after a rotator cuff surgery. And then blows and he's out the other hand. He's walking around in yep. a sling and he's still serving you food nonstop. With the other hand. Right. It's it's really totally amazing. It's Rodney. That's how he does it. You're amazing, dude. We love you. We can't wait for another stop. <laughs> we can't wait for next time. But next time, it's going to be another segment coming up right around the corner as we right. give you the celebrity birthdays and handball birthdays, plus a quick quiz before we close out the show. We're going to make this show 30 minutes. Eh, we're more like 70 to 90. Wow, it felt like about five. Yeah, well, it, it's not. Wow, okay. We'll be back in just a bit. It's episode 25 of the Dave and Dave Handball Sports Radio cast. iTunes, TuneIn Radio, WPHLive.TV, and Patreon. We'll be back in just a bit. Stick with us. A social distancing tip. While the CDC urges you to avoid close contact, like hugging or shaking hands, there are other non-physical ways to say hello. Wave, wink, use sign language, salute, smile, give the peace sign, throw up an air high five, do jazz hands. Remember, stay a minimum of six feet or two arms length away from others and stay home if you can. For more info, visit coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part. 
Because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the Ad Council. If you are missing that connection with the community, no worries. We have your exclusive handball content available right now at patreon.com slash WPHlive. As a Patreon pledge supporter of the WPH, you'll have access to our complete on-demand handball tournament catalog. Rare interviews, never-seen-before handball content, tutorials, instructional videos, the Dave and Dave radiocast, breaking news, plus the secret backdoor hidden links to watch every streamed handball event live when they happen, even the ESPN tournaments. Your exclusive handball content awaits. Make a pledge at patreon.com slash WPHlive. Hello, this is Harrison Ford, and the internet reports are all true. I am going to be starring in the next Indiana Jones movie. Yeah, it's going to be friggin' great. I can't give away too much of the script, but there's going to be a huge scene where a portal to hell opens up in Washington, D.C., and Hitler and his Nazi zombie army is trying to take over the White House, and, uh, wait a minute, that's that's not in the script. I got to... Trump rally on here in the background on CNN. <laughs> that's that's probably not going to happen, right? Uh, oh my God. I'm totally freaking myself out right now, man. That's the last time I let Spielberg buy the weed. To keep safe, healthy, and to prevent the spread of coronavirus, just remember Dave and Dave. D. Distance yourself from others. Three to six feet is a safe zone. A. Always cough into your elbow. B. Viruses strive on poor hygiene. Wash your hands. Clean and disinfect objects in your home like doorknobs, counters, and other frequently touched items. E. Enjoy the show. And we'll get through this together. It's Dave and Dave with the Handball Sports Radiocast on WPHlive.tv, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, and Patreon. It's the longest show we've ever done in the history of shows that we've ever done. It's the... Dave and Dave Handball Sports Radio Cast episode number 25. Dave Vincent, Dave Fink here on, what is this? COVID-19 quarantine day number 22. No, it isn't. It's day number, what What day are we on? I think it's 19, but you make sure to keep us all updated each day. I know, and I, I don't even remember what day it is, even though I keep you updated every day. You know, I always send those texts and those group emails. Yeah. So fun. You're really pleasant on group emails. I'm doing really well. Sunshine. I'm doing really well. <laughs> Have you ever had anybody ever unsubscribe you on a group email before? Because it's happened three times this week alone. One person said to never talk to him again. Well, I've noticed you don't text, so maybe you've had enough negative feedback on your text to kind of. I think the coronavirus. Corona is kind of the self isolation thing. Isn't really good for me, even though that's all I do all the yeah. time anyway. Knowing that I have to do it has actually made me really kind of angry, oh. kind of bitter. So that's why my emails on, on the group thing not going well. No. I mean, for a fan of things not going well like I am, I'm happy about it. Right. <laughs> As you should be. I don't blame you for that. Let's take a quick look at the celebrity birthdays. And by celebrities, I mean handball players. Marco Chavez, the ageless wonder, turns 46. Uh-huh. Can he keep it going? Yeah, I think he can. I don't see any reason why he wouldn't. Ivan Burgos is on the other end of the spectrum. He's the up-and-coming guy. He just turned nine. 19? 19. 
Wow. Michael Galton. Okay. 21. I wouldn't have guessed that. He seems like we've seen him forever now, right? I mean, I would have guessed that he would have been like 24. It just seems like that because we've seen him for so many years now. Michael Galton, the most attempts at ever qualifying without qualifying. That's 21 also. So that's, and he's actually talented. So you, make, you sit there and go, how? I watched him play Chris Tico in San Francisco, and, I, yeah. and he just destroyed Chris. Oh, and I did. thought, wow. Okay. Wow. So Michael's going to qualify here. Yeah. Nope, doesn't do it. Coleman McGrath, 22. This is a guy that is another one. Supremely talented. I just don't know if we're going to see him dedicate himself to it. I mean, I've known him for right. seven, eight years. I know years, what you're saying. And I keep telling myself, I mean, I want to see this guy playing and at the tournaments. And it just... It doesn't happen, and you know he's a great kid. And it's we played in Portland in the playoffs there, two, late 2018. And I said, you know, you come to the Montana in three weeks. You know, I I want him to come to all these tournaments, but it just he wants to, and he's like, yeah, I want to do it. You know, you know when's the entry, and where's the entry, and and then he just doesn't. I know it's strange. Well, it's frustrating. It's kind of know? an Eric Torres sort of feel, where yeah. the guy's so good but doesn't right. travel to these tournaments. Who else we have? Tracy Davis is on that list, I think, Tracy right? Tracy Davis. She's a celeb. She is. I know I'm missing somebody. Go ahead. Who's the next one? Niall O'Connor, I think. Niall O'Connor, 27. 27. Seems like he's younger than that, but I guess well, I can... only because he took a hiatus from right. the sport. He had, the, he had a St. Louis scrapper-type injury where he dove into the wall playing doubles in Ireland. And he was right there in that class with Killian and Nash and winning in the juniors against those guys. And, you know, he had the injury... He's been off for four or five years, and now he says he's still, you know, trying to get that shoulder back to where he wants it. But I'd say pretty amazing to play the way he does, you know, coming off the layoff and also not being where he wants to be with his shoulder. Let's get into the celebrities. What about Tracy Davis? Didn't she have a birthday? 43. 43. Yeah. Jim Jim Verhage also? Right. If you need your bananas cut into eights. In, into eights. <laughs> Jim is he's, your guy. He's the con man. He's the guy that's in charge of the food in Tucson. And if you didn't know that, then you <laughs> then you haven't talked to Jim because he'll you tell you. You haven't been around handball in the last yeah, 10 you, years. No, you just haven't been around Jim because he'll tell you he's the one. He also prides it. himself on drinking Miller Lite. I don't think I've ever seen Miller Lite since the 80s. That's because he's he, hoarding it. Okay. He's a hoarder. And then your mom celebrates or celebrated a birthday right. just a few days back on the 26th. Mm-hmm. I, you know, you never say uh, a lady's age. Right. So we won't tell anybody. But your mom is big fan. A big fan of the uh, Huge. of yeah. the WPH and handball and this radio show. Believe so it or not, she is. She listens to every single word and she'll quiz you on it yes. later. So congrats to her. James Kahn, celebrity, actor, eighty years young today. Godfather. Yeah, I I, I love his acting. Mm-hmm. Um who else we have? Diana Ross. Disco Diana, 76. Steven Tyler, frontman, Aerosmith, 72 years young. Martin Short, the comedian, formerly on Saturday Night Live, but you've seen him on Three Amigos. Love him. He's. I know you love him. Currently touring with Steve Martin and that uh, two-man... Did you go to that? I want to, but it was in town, wasn't right. it? And I missed it. Oh, I, I thought so you would have definitely bad. been there. What am I doing? Why did I miss that? I blame myself for that because I thought about it when I saw the show. I thought, I'm going to buy him tickets. But every time I try and invite you somewhere, you just don't go. And so it, I was self-isolating my, before it was cool. My my intention really was good. But I've just, I mean, I'm 0 for 28 my last 28 invitations to you, including the RFC banquet. And uh, Jennifer Grey <laughs> is 60. Hard to believe that. And her nose is 35. Wow. 
Impressive. I used that one on my wife yesterday, <laughs> and she actually laughed. She did. That was a first. Oh, wow. That's good. Yeah. Congrats on that. Thank you. And I think that's going to wrap up. Oh, no. We have a quiz time. Quiz quiz time. So those Drum are these. Roll. Do we have any special quiz music? No, we don't. And we're not going to either. So this quiz does, doesn't mean that much, then. It doesn't even have its own music. It doesn't feel like it means much, but it. I, I guess I can give it something. Let, here, let's see what this is right here. Oh, that's the, that's it. This is kind of a new wave just got sort of thing here. Kind of a new wave thing. I wasn't even going to do the quiz until this music hit. Okay, here we go. How many women's race freight titles has our good friend who just attended the canceled Corona three-wall event, Sianna Nishirin, won? How many women's race freight titles has Sianna won? Uh, that's interesting that you bring that up. <laughs> it's either zero or one. Are you? I mean, is this a hedge or is this an answer? I don't know what that means. I'm going to say zero. That's correct. Five finals, yeah. zero wins. Hard to believe, but when you got yeah, you're right. Casey, you know, waiting for you in the final of every event. Yeah. What are you going to do? That was the only way I came up with the answer on that is because I was thinking, has Katrina even missed one of these yet? How many times have Marco Chavez and I played one another in Senior Race Freight Finals? Six, seven, eight, nine. Six, seven. Eight. Oh, really? Eight straight. You're one for two. That's a failing grade. It is not very good. Not counting the virtual NYAC LTE stop that Killian won. Not counting. See, that. I would have counted it. But well, go ahead. For okay. This, <laughs> for this quiz, it doesn't count. Okay. How many? Race freight titles as Killian won. Multiple choice? I mean, I know that everybody knows this, okay. but I don't. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I have to go off of... 16, Ooh. 17, 18, 19. It's either 17 or 18, so I'll, I'll go with a, a 17. 15. Gosh darn it. And he's tied now. His win in Montana tied him with Paul Brady. Wow. So those two are, you're one for three, by the way. Those two are tied. That's for definitely most... not a <laughs> passing score. And you're, you're not going to get this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. How many different players have won race freight men's pro titles? Now, multiple choice just seems ridiculous here because you don't know it. So you're just going to have a one in four guess. Which is better than the just throwing some, some number out there, though. So let's go with one, two, three, four. Five. There's six, seven. I'm getting up there now. Eight, nine. This is me just counting different yeah. names. So it's going to be between nine and fourteen. That's correct. Okay. Give, so you really have given yourself your own multiple choice. Right. So I still have about a <laughs> one in four <laughs> chance of getting this. Um. I'm going to go with 11. That's correct. Yeah. And just as a bonus, this is not a question. 17 players have made a race final. 11 have won. So there's been six players who have made a final that have never actually won a title. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Those would be probably pretty easy to name. So I'm back to 50%. How many race events, race freight events have been held since the inception of the tour? Now, we're not counting pre-qualifiers. We're only counting... 
race freight events and race freight LTEs, I count those. Anything that counts towards the rankings, how many have been held? Well, that's, I don't know how anybody would know this, um, besides Katrina Casey and Killian Carroll. They both would know. So, I guess you, everybody, basically it's everybody there. Everybody who's listening knows, except for you. Uh, multiple choice, please. <laughs> 63, 64, 65. Oh, okay. Well, um, 66. 63. Now, as a bonus, if you include the senior race freight and women's race 48, which are played in conjunction, of course, with the race freight events, there's been 109 Yikes. total events. Now, that's not counting race freight pre-qualifiers. I, I think we're at 17 race freight pre-qualifiers. That's unofficial. That number seems right to me. I have to go through my list here. I've got about 700 fun facts, so I have to right. go through those. And we don't need you to do that. No. I think we should hold yeah. hold off on these quizzes for maybe the next show. So maybe you study a little bit? Or? I study <laughs> is a good... I yeah Maybe that's the reason why I'm bringing that up. Yeah. Because I am not passing this test. No. Not even close. No. I hope you're doing well in your little room over there with that air conditioning on. We're going to be back, though, as we have... What, what do we have, Dave? <laughs> I don't We're going to recap the senior race and women's race season. Oh, yeah. Season. In our next show, we'll talk about the senior women and the women's because they also had a season. Right. And it was pretty entertaining mm-hmm. for both. Yeah. They had multiple stops, and we are going to recap it coming up in our next show. So make sure that you stay tuned here for this radio cast. That'll be episode 26. Here at 25, though, wraps up for Dave Fink, Dave Vincent. Thanks for tuning in to episode 25 of the Dave and Dave Handball Sports Radio Cast here on iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Patreon, and WPHlive.tv. We'll be back with another show at another time. Stick around, stay safe, and wash your hands. See you, Dave. See ya. We'll start off with William Shatner. Is this the real life? Is this just fantasy caught in a landslide? There's no escape from reality. Willie Nelson. Open your eyes. Look up to the skies and see. Tom Waits. I'm just a poor boy. I need no sympathy. Dean Martin. Easy come, easy go. Little high, little low. Maurice Chevalier. Anyway, the wind blows. Doesn't really matter to me. <laughs> Not to me. Christopher Walken. Mama just killed a man. Put a gun against his head. Pulled my trigger. Now he's dead. Bob Dylan. Mama! Oh, life! Life had just begun! Oh, but now you've gone and thrown it all away! No inbreeding here. Our parents were strangers. It's Dave and Dave with a handball sports radio cast on WPHlive.tv, iTunes, Tuned In Radio, and Patreon.